What is up, guys? This is the 91 Podcast. I, I'm your host, Jonathan Lund. I got Roger Kumar, Marquis Anthony with me. And today, we're going to talk about badge engineering cars. All right. So to start us off, I want Roger to here explain what badge engineering means. So badge engineering, it's a kind of a cool term if you think about it. For example, if I owned a car company and Varghese owned a car company, and let's say Varghese specialized in subcompacts, and I needed a subcompact. Instead of doing all the R&D to create my own subcompact, I would pay Varghese X amount of dollars to purchase some subcompacts from him, and I'd slap some of my badges on there. I wouldn't really change much, but I would call it my own car. Right. Uh, I think that's a that's a pretty much a perfect explanation of what it is. Doesn't necessarily have to mean that we're building two different cars. I mean, depending on what we're talking about, uh, two companies could go different directions with some common parts that one company provides like an engine a chassis usually like the heavy hitters like that is what goes on so i guess i'll kick us off here with my pick it was a tough one because there in my opinion i haven't found a lot of uh companies that do it the right way and uh for me oh uh, you gotta let me let me uh yeah, I think I, just, I think I just let you go ahead oh, and do that. Perfect. Sorry. So for me, what I picked was the Toyota and Subaru join up. Specifically, the FT86 or the GT and then the Subaru BRZ. Now, I pulled a little bit of a sneaky uh, maneuver here, if you notice. The Toyota here is actually in blue, the Subaru color. And the Subaru is in red. It took me, I think, 30 minutes to find those pictures. But I think this is a great example of what you were talking about, Raja, when you kicked us off. So visually, these cars are not going to look drastically different. In fact, they look pretty much, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart uh, 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 with a first glance. And that's kind of the idea here is uh, they're sharing a lot of the same components. In this particular case, a lot of the body panels as well. You'll see it has almost all the same panels, but it has the same engine, the same chassis, um, as well as a, a lot of the interior components are kind of the same as well if you look for it. But I specifically liked this. So on the right, we have the Subaru. And on the left, we have the GT86. And in the middle, we have what they both have. So they both have the same motor. It's a two liter four cylinder, 205 horsepower. It's a boxer. It's developed by Subaru. Now, what's really cool, I think what really helped Subaru in doing this joint venture is they, while they have a lot of lightweight uh, cars that you can get that has a little bit of a sporty punch, this is kind of a class that they haven't had at least in a while. And it certainly finishes out their lineup, I would say, um, especially in kind of that entry level Subaru ownership kind of experience. Uh, if you take a look at the differences though, it's really minor, but I thought it was kind of interesting. The GT86 weighs less and it costs less, uh, you know, just a little under a grand uh, than the Subaru does. But I do think uh, the little differences, the weight, you're not really going to feel it. It's too small of a difference. Um, but I, I do like how these cars are set up because for Toyota, it was more of a experiment, if you will and their chapter to start producing more and more sportier vehicles. 
especially the lead up to the Supra that came out, which was also another joint venture. Um, but I think it was a great combination because Toyota already has a racing heritage and they have a racing history, but they necessarily don't have the market uh, to justify developing their own components for a, a vehicle like this. And that's where Subaru comes in and kind of saves the day because they have all that stuff. Jonathan, go ahead and take this one away. This is one of your favorite cars. Uh, you got that right. I'll, you know, I think a lot of, they've done a lot of right here, honestly. Um, BRZ, 86, you know, classic, we're commonly referred to as a Twins. Uh, there's not much I can say wrong about that because, you know, this is one of my favorite cars, but, you know, it's, people don't probably know this, but it's a heavily modified, basically based on like the Impreza platform. It's heavily modified, uh, a version of that. Um, a lot of the parts are not like specific. It's the, um, when they're making this vehicle, like this, uh, a lot of the parts are just recycled from other Subarus. Like I know like the wheel bearings are from a Forester, not the control arms are just like um, recycled Subaru parts. And you know, it's it's not the it's not the most like luxurious car. You know, it's a sports car, but uh, nothing wrong I can say about that. Powered by the FA20, a very underwhelming boxer four, in my opinion. Anyway, I've driven this car. I'm going to take a different approach to this that both of you guys took, and I'm going to kind of talk about the experience of ownership of a Subaru and a Toyota. I purchased a new Subaru in 2017 and I've had a plethora of Toyotas in our house and Toyotas that I've had to take into service. And just from personal experience, I can say that it's a little different. It kind of feels more like a family to own a Subaru. I don't know why they, they do push that a lot more than Toyota yeah. and they're both great product, but I would kind of say that just to speak on that, difference in msrp you're paying a little bit more for the subaru i do know that it does have a little bit different nuances and a little nicer things to some people but i think that this to become a part of the subaru family is just something special that it's the same car you just can't replicate that and if i were to buy one i would lean towards the brz i actually agree with that that's what uh, my recommendation would be if it ever came down to these twins uh like I said, it's kind of a first go for Toyota, and it's really not a lot of their DNA at all. It's pretty much reskinned and rebadged with a little bit of Toyota flair. But um, I think uh, between the two, clearly, like Subaru has a long history, and it is a lot of their components, if not all. Yeah. Um, and I think they, in general, for that little bit of price difference, I think there's a lot more that you're getting from the Subaru product versus Toyota. Jonathan, why don't you show us your pick for your favorite badge engineering venture? All right. Let's see. Let me stop sharing. All right. So, you know, I was I was considering the FT86 and the VRZ, not going to lie, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I didn't pick it because I've been pretty awkward that we both have <laughs> the same car, you know. But at least I could say that I have something different. I have. Oh. Here it is. Oh. 
I have picked the Chevy SS and a Holden VF Commodore. Just pause. I approve. You guys both kind of switched picks here. You know yeah, I was about to say, like, I'm the one that chose the V8 engine this time, and somebody else picked the JDM car. All right. I, uh, I tried to stick to the two cars you could buy right here. All right. But it's yeah, a good yeah. pick. All right. So if you don't know, the Chevy SS is basically a, a holding VF Commodore from Australia. This car is sold in Australia as, you know, a performance sedan. It comes with either a V6 or a V8, but in America only, they took the performance version of the Holden, right? They had the 6.2 liter V8 LS3 engine that produced 408 horsepower, 420 foot-pounds of torque. Um, you know, this is a classic sedan, rear-wheel drive, V8 engine up front, you know? Didn't, didn't really sell as well as no. Chevy hoped, you know? That's why no. it was only made from 2013 to 2017. Um, but I, you know, when this car came out, I was like, damn, this is a, this is a pretty good car. I mean, like, this is what people were asking for, you know, a V8 engine up front, sedan, mm -hmm. family hauler, rear wheel drive. You can do donuts in the parking lot if you wanted with your kids in the back. I mean, like, what more can you ask for? But, you know, markets change. People just go to SUVs and yeah, this one just slowly died out. But I, I thought that this was a pretty good pick for badge engineering because like, Holden is a, a subsidiary of uh, GM, General Motors, but right. uh, so the Holden is mostly like made in Australia, where you know people down there are just just crazy for V8s, um, performance performance uh, engines down there. It's, it's pretty crazy, but yeah, honestly, this I I thought the Chevy SS and the VF Commodore, you know, one of the uh, great bash this... engineerings that you know never took off. Yeah, but okay. Because, like you guys know, growing up, uh, if I had the money to buy this car, this would be the car that I would buy. You know, uh, and and I I think it didn't get its fair shot, honestly. Because if you look now with what Dodge is doing with the Charger, it's the same recipe. It's a V8 four door sedan, and, and it's the same premise: uh, burnouts with the kids in the back. Or uh, I don't know, beat some dude on a you know a street race, but I think it was truly ahead of its time, and it's it's almost laughable uh, at where it ended up and how it had to get cut. But at right. the same time, I I think it was you know a six point two liter V eight. It's kind of an ultra rare combination. I just don't think the the market was ready for when they also, put this I, out. I, I, I think it's because also like the name, you know, it's the Chevy SS. Usually an yeah. SS is like referring to, especially in GM, it's like referring to a package, the Super Sport. Yep. Right? It never really had like a name like Charger or no, you know, yeah, it Impala, never... Mount, uh, Impala, Dart. It felt kind of like an afterthought, to be honest. Even on the website, um, it was like the last car. They never updated it from, I don't think they ever updated it from the original pictures from like 2013. Nope. It was just kind of on the back burner, and it was just something they, they hoped would sell, and it just didn't. I don't think it got uh, enough love. Right. Uh, part, part of the fact is just, you know, it's just the imported Holden Commodore, you know? And, yeah. like, Americans never really had, like, any history with it, whereas down in Australia, you know, this has been there since, like, forever. But it's bizarre because V8, America, 
<laughs> right. You'd think it would have sold. But, like, what do you think? Think about it. Think about it. If they had, like, a, a name behind it, like, what's the old Chevy muscle car right now that I'm not thinking of? Like, I don't know. The only thing I'd think about is, like, Impala. You know, imagine this, this is the Impala Camaro, SS. Chevy. Yeah. The Chevelle right. SS. Yeah, imagine, imagine that. Imagine if they had one of those names like that. It probably would have sold better. Yeah, I think that this, something that maybe you guys haven't thought of either, was when this car was kind of in its, in the middle of its production, mm-hmm. gas was pretty expensive. I distinctly yeah. remember that. In California, anyway, it was like 425 430 a gallon. It was, uh, yeah. Four if, was like the minimum. Yeah, if, right. if we experienced the gas prices that we are having now, I think the median is like two something. You know, yeah. this car could still be here. I think it's a really great car, honestly. I think it really blends in. You're not loud like a Dodge Charger or a Charger. Yeah. It's kind of a suit and tie version of a beast. And I do see kind of where I think it's stickered for what, 40? It's kind yeah. of expensive. Yeah, somewhere around that. You're it's not, a little pricey. Yeah, you're not getting what you would kind of expect. From right, but American look at a charger. You know, look yeah. at a charger. How much does a scat pack charger right now costs? Yeah. Around the same. Upward, yeah, around the same. But I, I think I, I think it's two different uh the two different options. I think uh, if this were especially with with how well Chevy has been doing uh, with their performance lineup so far, uh, I would go out as far as to say this would they would be in almost a perfect position to bring this back, especially with the right. success of the charger. Um, all these other sporty uh, sedans that came out. The only option you have right now, uh, the only other big player is the Cadillac, the V series, the black, uh, the black wing, the CT5, CT6, yeah, CT6. Like those, yeah, but those are through the roof expensive, and it's, it's, it's a little over the top, you know, because it's a luxury sedan first, and then they put the performance part under it. But clearly, they have the, the ability to make a four door performance sedan. I, I just wish with all the other things that they make multiples of that this would have been one of them. Yeah. I guess the last thing I want to say about this is that when it's MSRP was about 40, you know, it didn't, it doesn't look like a $40,000 car. No, that's where I would. No, it looks a lot more sleeper. That's why. It looks like a family sedan. Yeah. The last thing I want to say also is that, these are going up in value, honestly. So no, with the low with the low volume they sold in America, and the exclusive like the exclusivity of it is just gonna it's just gonna rise. Yeah. All right, I like that pick. That was a good pick, Roger. Yeah. Let's let's take it away. I I, I totally thought Vargas was gonna take this one. I'm not gonna lie. No. <laughs> All right, guys. Thought about I, it. I, I like the way, I like the way that this turned out. Now. I'm going to surprise both of you here. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. This is a car that I've actually owned. And it has to do Jonathan, use... what's he going to put up on this screen? Oh, it has to do with Suzuki. Oh, no. you... Uh, we Wait, are... it might not be the one he's talking about. Hold on. But oh, there's two see. that are... He owns two. Like he owns this. two. There's two. So I'm going to surprise you guys both and pick... Where is my connection? What is going on? Yes, the Suzuki Equator and Nissan. No. Okay. Okay, you got me. This was honestly a really fun thing to kind of talk about, bring to your guys' attention. Let's go ahead and go to the next picture right here. If I can, 
this slide is being a little buggy. I'm surprised. I'm yeah, going to be I, honest. I, I didn't even know this was a, a combo. Yeah, I didn't even remember he owned that. I Honestly, I, I thought he was going to pick either the Grand Vitara or the Samurai right now. I for sure Suzuki. thought it was the Vitara, unless the Vespa had some Italian cousin. <laughs> <laughs> so this badge engineering venture uh, was around from 2009 to 2012. Unfortunately, I think that Suzuki pulled out of the U.S. in 2012. Could be wrong about that. It came in multiple cab and motor and tranny iterations. Um, something important to note is that the four-cylinder was the only manual transmission option, and it was a five-speed, and it was a 2.5 liter. And it's actually interesting to note that that combination of the Nissan 2.5 and the Nissan five-speed has been on record to go... 1 million miles. It's a red one, and I believe it was in Chicago. You guys can look up a YouTube video about it. It's right. a pretty cool truck. All crew cab versions of the Suzuki Equator were V6s, and they were all automatics. And the only really difference between the Frontier and the Equator is this front fascia. The Equator, in my opinion, looks a little bit better. I think it's because the headlights are a little blobbier than the Frontier. And at the time, they were pretty comparable in price. I don't have that figure. But in today's market, they're really hard to find, honestly. And they're pretty accurately priced. I'd say you can get a really nice one for about eight or 9000 And again, nobody's going to be looking for these because people forgot about this. And you're going to get a great truck. Uh, small aside, mine was a 4x2 crew cab. Uh, excuse me, 4x2 access cab, 5-speed, mm. and it was silver. It was honestly really cool to have something different, especially since this version of the Frontier has been around since 05 to 2020 in the U.S., and I think they're about to change it, but it's the Frontier is a great truck. Yeah. And this Suzuki Equator is a really fun truck, too. Last thing I want to show you guys here is that the Equator wasn't, just something that was a bare bones model. We also had fun options like the RMZ4 Sport. And if you guys see this color, you know that it's the Mazda, excuse me, the Nissan B12 blue color. Um, right. You had some bells and whistles and they had leather and everything like that. I think it's a great um, truck that nobody really knows about. You know what? It almost looks like, uh, like when Grand Theft Auto remakes their own version of real life cars. Yeah, but but I mean I, I can't even knock it because um, I've I've been in a, a Frontier before and I honestly think it's a very solid truck especially in some of the off-road oriented packages that you can get it in and Suzuki overseas in some of their markets they have some pretty dominant off-road vehicles really capable and so you know it's it, it's surprising that they would turn to a Frontier platform I can understand maybe if this was a North American venture that you know if they were trying to break into the the light truck market but uh i i mean you know it suzuki can't really go wrong with it uh frontier probably one of the better models nissan has made over the past decade um it's getting old I, though yeah yeah it is but you know getting ready to change it but but i i do agree with you raj i think i think uh it does look better i think uh, it's because it doesn't have like that triple grill yeah, I, 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 you know, honestly, I never heard of this. I thought it was pretty weird that Suzuki doesn't make their own light truck. You know, I mean, when you yeah. look at it, you know, they made like the they made they pride themselves off in like off-road vehicles. You know? Yeah, 
And so it's a, it's a bit of a shock. I'm yeah. intrigued, intrigued I, as to why they did it. I kind of still can't believe that Raja didn't pick a, a Grand Vitara Samurai right now. I'm still in shock about <laughs> But uh, We'll uh, save that for another video. I think that the Equator, again, it's really cool. They're really tough to find. And I was kind of sad when I had to sell mine because I knew how reliable it was. And it was a right. really good truck. Yeah, it has like that, what, four liter V6, something like that? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the the Frontier hasn't even changed. And yeah. it's one of the dinosaurs that are still in the market. So even if you did buy one right now, you could still replace parts and get parts for it. I mean, you could probably find better parts that are still OEM. Yeah. Like right. minute ones, you know? Yeah. But this is, I honestly, it's, it's really neat. I kind of like this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's what recap. What's your guys' favorite pick? Yeah, let's recap. What, what do you have? We have Vargas's pick of the FT86. We have my yeah. pick of the Chevy SS uh, and a uh, Holden Commodore. We got Raja with the Suzuki Equator and Nissan Frontier. I, I just want to know from you guys. Uh, I don't know. Well, we kind of went over it with the 86, but like from your guys' standpoint, which one of the, which one of each, uh, like each one, which one would you choose? Like, you know, uh, it's funny because it kind of covers three spectrums. It's like the, the two-door coupe, then you have a, a four-door sedan, and then a pickup truck. Right. But like a which, broad range. But, like, which one of each version would you pick? Like, personally, on the 86, I would, I would pick the I would pick the 86 platform, to be honest. Oh, really? And then for the, I'll pick the Holden Commodore, and then I kind of, I kind of, I don't know. You guys don't like the Nissan Frontier, but I kind of like the look of the Nissan Frontier better. It's the skinny headlights, I think. Roger said it was. Roger said it was a little blobbier. But yeah. I think it fits the 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 truck more. But you know, to each uh, yeah. to each their own. Yeah. My picks. Um, if we're going nitpicky, I know I was leaning on the Subaru, but I can't get away from that special edition that they have out right now for the FT86. I think it is just so neat. Which the, one, the Hakone green? The Hakone green with the Alcantara's. I think it's just really neat. And I think uh, it's always fun to see car manufacturers take some, some bit of real life, some bit of history and some, you know, uh, heritage of, of passion and throw it into a car. And you have something that's more than just, Hey, this was thrown together to sell, you know, to kids or whatever. Um, between the Suzuki and the frontier, I think it's pretty obvious. I would go for the Suzuki equator. I think it's just neat. You can replace all the parts. I mean, it's still serviceable, still a very, uh, and Suzuki as, as a general car company, extremely reliable vehicles and they have off-road prowess. So I think it's a great pick, um, especially for, for a below 10 K option, like Raja was saying. And then obviously I would go with a Chevelle, uh, not the Chevelle, the, the Chevy SS in nice. black. Ah, okay. for me, I would go for the Subaru. Marshall the Subaru. I'm a Subaru ambassador. I would <laughs> pick the Holden, and then obviously I would pick the Suzuki just because I'm weird and I love Suzuki. But <laughs> I think that's going to wrap us up here, guys. Yep. Uh, be sure to tell us which iterations of this, of these particular vehicles you'd pick at our Instagram and our Twitter accounts, 91 underscore podcast. And if you have any other badge engineer cars that we didn't talk about, let us know. Yeah, uh, you can find us also on the podcast, 
anchor.fm. We're also on Spotify and uh, we're going to be coming to Apple podcasts pretty soon. So uh, go ahead and go check out the Twitter and Instagram pages. We will keep you updated on that. Um, so with that, I think uh, great episode guys, really interesting picks. I'm really pleasantly surprised with them. Um, so until next time, uh, we'll catch you at the pump. All right. See ya. Bye.